welcome to the Truth Labyrinth podcast. I am your host, J.R. Everhart from Restoration Ministries. This week, we look into a Celebrate Recovery step study program titled The Journey Begins. Uh, Celebrate Recovery is a Christian 12-step program. Uh, the step study series is a 26-lesson um, deep dive into the steps. We kind of take the steps and and tear them apart and put them under the microscope and take a look at how they can better apply to our hurts, habits, and hangups in life. Um, this is not a replacement for face-to-face meetings, so please go to your local Celebrate Recovery meeting and get involved in a face-to-face step study. Trust me, it will change your life. You will hear me say that over and over throughout this teaching series. So you can go to CelebrateRecovery.org and do a search in your area, and you will find a Celebrate Recovery in your area. They are literally everywhere. There's thousands of those uh, operating in churches all over the country. So uh, make sure you strap in and hold on because this is going to be a wild ride. It's going to get bumpy, it's going to be clumsy, and it's going to be uncomfortable at times. But the benefits far outweigh the discomfort that we deal with as we look inside the mirror of God's Word and our behavior. So you do not want to miss a second of this teaching series. Hi, I want to talk to you for a second about my company, COP Audio. COP Audio has been a leader in the Mid-Atlantic since about the mid-90s with all forms of production work, um, both inside the church and outside the church. Uh, We're well known for our mobile audio services and production services for live concerts and festivals. Um, But we also have just as rich of a history inside the church scene. Uh, Church production has definitely been a passion of mine since... I became a, a Christian in 1994. Um, I have worn many hats during this time inside of um, you know the church scene. You know things like having to be light designer and video producer, teacher, you know training staff, uh, been tech director at a couple different churches. Um, it's something that I've always been very passionate about, and genuinely felt like it was part of my Christian ministry. Um, I've trained personally dozens and dozens of tech people and tech staff uh, throughout the mid-Atlantic. I've traveled around and done uh, sound reinforcement workshops and AV workshops um, on site with the church tech teams that I'm working with, trying to help them to get the best out of the systems that they have in place. So, you know, give us a call, check us out. Uh, We'd love to help out your church. We'd love to maybe even talk to you about uh, doing a system upgrade or an install. Um, Maybe you just need someone to come in and make sense of the gear that you have. That's my specialty, you know, and I've been doing that for many, many years. So uh, check us out online at copaudio.com. That's copaudio.com. Be sure to check out and like our Facebook page, COP Audio. Just search COP Audio on Facebook. Uh, Be sure to read our reviews on the Facebook page. There's a lot of reviews on there from our clients and um I think it'll give you some some perspective on who we are as a company. So again, online, copaudio.com, copaudio.com. And just like that, we're back. Lesson 14, ready. This is a super cool lesson that kind of marks the official center of this uh, step study teaching series. Uh, congratulations. If you're ready for principle five, you have already taken some major steps on the road to recovery. You admit that you had a problem. You were powerless over it. You came to believe that God could and would help you. And you sought him to turn your life and your will over to his care and direction. You wrote a spiritual inventory and shared that with God and another person. You have been busy. That's a lot of work, a lot of hard work. Maybe you're thinking it's about time to take a breather and relax for a while. Think again. In some recovery materials, step six, principle five, uh, has been referred to as the uh, step that separates the men from the boys. I would add it would separate the women from the girls as well. So in this episode, we are going to answer the question, what does it mean to be entirely ready? And uh, as that first opening chapter of the Leader's Guide states, we are in Principle 5 
And step six, principle five states, voluntarily submit to every change God has to make in your life and humbly ask him to remove my character defects. Happier those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires. That's Matthew 5, 6. Step six uh, states we were entirely ready to have God remove all our defects of character. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. That's James 4.10. I like how that step six says we were entirely ready. Think about that, that statement. Everything that we have done up to this point has been to prepare you for the real change that is going to take place when you complete this this step study series. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've had guys, you know, come into the program, and I've seen it on the girls' side of things too. It isn't just the guys. I'm not just singling them out. But they come in, and inventory step four is such a huge life-changing uh, ordeal and process that they tend to believe that, hey, man, I I got some freedom through that. I mean, I legitimately grew through the inventory process. And I always respond to that with, yeah, that's kind of what it's supposed to do. <laughs> that's what it's there for. But let's not give up just yet because we haven't even scratched the surface to the, uh, the level of sustainable freedom and restoration that we can experience when we work out the rest of this program. We're only halfway there, so do not, you know, think that you kind of got it all together and you got all the answers. You got about enough answers to fill a thimble at this stage of the game. And that thimble may be like some life-changing stuff. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from the first half of this program. It's actually my favorite part of the program is the first half. But this is a dangerous time, and now is not the time to relax so let's go to our small book here. Think about it. What does it mean to be entirely ready to have God remove your character defects? Um, the acrostic for ready starts with R, release control. God is a gentleman. In principle three, he didn't force his will on you. He waited for you to invite him in. Now in principle five, we need to be ready, entirely ready will, and willing to let God into every area of our life. We won't come in, he won't come in where he is not welcome. That is always a thing that I could never get my head wrapped around with all the Bible thumpers. You know, how they just want to shove Christianity down people's throats. And many of us grew up around that kind of church culture. And I I never really seen it, I never really seen it convert people's lives to a degree where it's stuck. I seen you know, a whole lot of that confrontational type ministry, which is what we label that with. Um, I've seen a whole lot of that scare people straight and scare people into becoming uh, dry drunks, you know, or dry Christians, you know, people who aren't, you know, living out their toxic, destructive behavior, but they're also not free. i also seen it scare a bunch of people into the, into salvation and then, uh, there wasn't any discipleship, and the next thing you know, they fell away the first time the storms of life started blowing. That's why a lesson like this, ready, is so vitally important, uh, and it's going to set you up for the coming uh, mountains that we're going to have to climb when we get to um, you know, the amends process and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it just never made sense to me how you, you really— I mean, I can understand. I got nothing against a guy who felt led to stand on a street corner with a bullhorn and pro- proclaim the gospel. I got no problem with that guy. You know, that's fine. You know, um, but when you start pointing at people and telling them that that are going to hell, you know, that's kind of where you know the my doubt rubber hit the road. You know, that's when I started questioning, you know, maybe even their understanding of the gospel. Um, because God is a gentleman. He's never going to force his will on you. He's never going to force his way and pry his way into your life. That's not how this works. He desires for you to be walking with him and he desires to have a relationship with you. But if you choose to not accept that, he's not going to like unleash the hounds of hell on you or anything. That's not how this works. This isn't old Testament, you know, 
stuff here. We are living under a time of grace. Jesus paid the price for your sin, uh, but when you refuse to accept his his offering of reconciliation with God, all he has to do is step back. The world will throw the kitchen sink at us. We will get ourselves into a whole bunch of trouble. God doesn't have to lubricate that process with some sort of wrath or, or, or judgment or anything like that. You know, that's not how this works. People have got this stuff all wrong. Um, the Bible is not laid out that way. When the Bible makes claims about who's going to heaven and who's going to hell, actually, it never says anything about anybody going to hell. It says you may be, uh, I think as close as that, that that they get is it says something to the effect of you'd be in a place of weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. Now, that doesn't sound like a pleasant place, you know, but there's there's several scriptures that talk about how, the, you know, like a drunkard will not enter the kingdom of heaven, you know, and things like that. But you have to take the whole scripture in context of, you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ, specifically throughout the New Testament. You know, Romans is the blueprint of that. And Romans opens up with a whole chapter, chapter and a half, I think it is, of just a whole bunch of stuff God's not cool with. And if you pull that chapter out of context by itself, it makes God out to be a pretty big jerk. You know, it makes him look pretty rough uh, because there's a whole bunch of stuff in there that most of us can look at and say, yeah, I've committed those sins. I have missed the mark on some of that stuff. Um, but what Paul was doing was he was building an argument, you know, against the legalistic mindset of the Pharisees and the religious leaders, or the Jewish religious leaders of the day. Um, and basically it all leads up to, you know, Romans, you know, 6, 7, and 8, where he just lays out the gospel of grace and how we're saved through what Christ did on the cross, not by our behavior, but that our behavior should be a direct reflection of that conversion. Um, your behavior is a byproduct of your relationship with Christ, not the other way around. And I know I'm kind of just laying out fundamental gospel stuff there, and I probably said it six other times throughout this, but can you ever really proclaim the gospel enough? I was just making the statement that I don't understand in what people's minds, you know, made them think that they were going to really spark revival with some fear-based, you know, approach to the gospel. You know, I prefer a faith-based approach to the gospel. The other side of that conversation is we were talking about confrontational ministry where you're confronting people and you're kind of shoving it down their throat. The other side of that is relational ministry, which is where you earn the right to speak into someone's life. That means you build a relationship with them first. You love them first before they ever, before you ever even get to the point to where you talk to them about Christ. You know, you submit yourself in service to those people and you, and you try to become someone they can trust and someone they can depend on like any Christian should be. And you allow them to see your junk, you allow them to see your mistakes, and you also allow them to see your responses to those mistakes. I think there was a statistic that I heard back during a church meeting many years ago where we were, you know, hounding over demographics and how we were going to market the church and, you know, market our approach to reaching people and what class of people was, was most present in our community and how we should shape our ministry to be relevant to that age group. And in that meeting, I remember someone saying that it was like, you know, one or two out of five people that are converted to Christianity through confrontational ministry stick. The other three or four don't. But that those numbers are the exact opposite when someone comes to Christ through relational-based ministry where you actually took time to invest in someone's life and earn the right to speak into their life and allow them the opportunity to ask themselves the hard questions and to position yourself in a way to where they could ask you, hey, you know, what's going on with you, man? You know, how do you deal with this? How do you deal with that? And that's where our testimony is so powerful. So that's a little sidebar that I just gave you for free there after the first paragraph of the lesson here. I just felt led to tell you that. Um, it has been said that willingness is the key that goes into the lock and opens the door that allows God to begin to remove your character defects. 
Wow, that's a mouthful. Let's say that again. Willingness is the key that goes into the lock and opens the door that allows God to begin to remove your character defects. Man, I need to hear that as much as everybody else because sometimes I'm not just as willing as I should be to allow God to you know, reach into the, the door lock of my life and, and turn that and change my character defects into something more positive because I'm still peeling the onion too, just like everyone else. In Psalms 143.10, it says, Help me to do your will, for you are my God. Lead me in good paths, for your spirit is good. That is super awesome. The next letter to our acrostic is E, and it says, Easy does it. These principles and steps are not quick fixes. You need to allow time for God to work in your life. This principle goes further than helping you to stop doing wrong. It goes after the very defect that causes you to sin, and that takes time. Psalms 37, 5, commit everything you do to the Lord, trust him to help you to do it, and he will. And then I have a note here where I highlighted the word defect in that last sentence. It says, it goes after the very defect that causes you to sin. And I got a little note there. It says, talk about that defect. That defect is what we are reaching for in this program. That defect is the thing that is deep down in the ground in the roots of your your compulsive behavior, addictions, or you know tendencies to do wrong. And if we can get to that defect and we can start unraveling that defect, then we can really, really start making some forward progress and, um, you know, getting past these things. I'm at a, I'm at a crossroads in my life right now. You know me, I'm not, I'm not afraid to unveil my junk. You know, I'm at a crossroads in a place in my life right now where I'm just trying to get to the next defect that is causing me to screw up. And believe me, there's been layers of that. I've, I've been doing this for 10 years. You know, there's been layers of defects that I've had to, you know, dig up, uncover, and expose to the light of the gospel. And, you know, talk about that defect with my sponsor. Talk about that defect with my accountability people. You know, talk about that defect with my pastor. You know, stuff like that. And really work through the nuts and bolts of... um why that defect is triggering, you know, the compulsive behavior that I don't want operating in my life. So, you know, this lesson is, 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 is about getting ready for that. It's getting ready to dig deep into that. And, you know, for you to take a look in the mirror, you know, of God's word, because you should be reading God's word every day. You know, even if it's just one scripture, you know, I don't think it's, it's too much for anyone you know, to read one scripture a day. I mean, there's apps you can download on your phone that'll pop up a scripture. I have one. I forget what the name of the app is, but some kind of Bible, you know, app where it gives me a scripture every day to read. Um, some of us, and really all of us should be, but I know for those of you that are still investigating all this and may not be fully committed to Christianity, um, those of us inside the, you know, the the group of Christianity try to do daily devotionals. We try to actually set aside time at some point during our day or evening, morning. So a lot of people are morning people. I am not a morning person. Like, I don't want to talk to anybody when I get up in the morning, including God. You know, I just am not in my right mind. I need to get up and stir around and, and get all my business together because I'm as horrible as a grumpy old bear in the morning. I'm a night owl. I'm not a morning person. And, uh, don't talk to me for the first couple hours in the morning and we'll be just fine. Um, but, you know, I'm a nighttime guy. You know, I mean, it is 1230, you know, a.m. that I am recording this. You know, I record most of these podcasts between the hours of midnight and 5 a.m. That's like when I get stuff done in my world. You know, that's when I am, you know, that's when I, I am to a point in, in my day where I am ready to really put the things I've been praying about all day and the things that have been on my heart all day to the ground and really talk to God and really, you know, maybe sit down and do writing. Like today was a marathon writing day. I love to write. And a lot of these, this defect thing I'm talking about here, a lot of times I discover those defects in my journaling. Yeah. Sometimes somebody, I just posted something on Facebook today, you know, out of, um, I typically paste, 
or post uh, journal entries on Facebook because I had some people who like to follow my content on there. And um, I hadn't posted anything in a while and got some messages from some guys, you know, wanting to know what was going on in my world spiritually. So I posted something today that was inspired from a conversation I had with a, a dear, precious friend of mine who is not a believer. And we were in a bar and had a very, very good, deep conversation about Christianity. And uh, he challenged me on some things that I thought was right from God. You know, I thought they were things that I needed to pick at and needed to kind of work out. So I sat down uh, the very next day after that conversation with him and started writing about it. And through that writing process, God showed me some stuff. He showed me some some defects in my life. He showed me some things in there that I need to keep praying about, that I need to give to him, that I'm holding on to because, you know, I'm still carrying around baggage that doesn't belong to me. You know, we're supposed to be giving our heavy burdens to Jesus. And, you know, I'm the guy that I give it to Jesus one minute and then pick it up the next. You know, that may make sense to you. It may not. If you know, you know, you know, I mean, I I tell people all the time, I spend the biggest part of my life putting down baggage that doesn't belong to me and trying real hard not to pick it back up. Um, And you may go through that process a thousand times before you finally set it down one day and walk away and never pick it up again. You know, that's, that's how this stuff works. That's what being ready is all about. That's what being ready, you know, this lesson is trying to... communicate to us that it's a slow, gradual process. It's a slow burn because, you know, what happens when you turn the wick up all the way? You get a big giant flame that can easily get out of control and it burns up all the fuel quick. I'm not going for that. I'm going for a slow burn. I'm going for a nice, even killed, you know, slow burn where I can just unravel things one thing at a time, one day at a time. Uh, I tell guys all the time, slow down so you can go faster. And they're like, what's that mean? That's an oxymoron. I'm like, no, really, it's not. If you rush this process, you're just going to end up right back at at the beginning of it all over again and stuck in your unmanageable life. The slower you take this, then the faster you'll get to where you want to go because you need to take time to digest this information. You need to take time to write about it in your journaling and talk about it with with your sponsor and your support people. The next letter of our acrostic is A, and it's accept the change. Seeing the need for change and allowing change to occur are two different things. That's a big statement. I'll repeat that. Seeing the need for change and allowing the change to occur are two different things. I always say you can have the wisdom of Solomon, but if you have no application whatsoever, it does you no good. I mean... Your house can be on fire, and you could be standing there with a full fire truck full of water to put the fire out. But if you don't turn the hose on, the fire is not going to go out. And so many times, we're so desperate and hungry for information. We live in the information age. Never before in the history of mankind has, you know, mankind had the information of the world at, at their fingertips. You used to have to buy, you know, 26 books of encyclopedias to even scratch the surface of some knowledge of the world. Now the internet provides everything that's out there. And sometimes in that pursuit of knowledge, we don't put it to the ground. And that's what accept the change is all about, putting it to the ground. Principle five will not work if you are still trapped by your self-will. Remember, we we didn't just turn our lives over to Christ way back in lesson three. We turned our will over to him. You need to be ready to accept God's help throughout this transition. First uh, Peter 1, 13 and 14 says, So then, have your minds ready for action. Keep alert and set your hope completely on the blessings which will be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Be obedient to God. Do not allow your lives to be shaped by those desires you had when you were still ignorant. The scales from your eyes should slowly be falling off at this point of the program. You know, you should be, especially after inventory, man, you should be seeing the world with fresh eyes now. And if you're not, I would definitely 
encourage you to go back and maybe look at inventory again and you listen to some of the earlier podcasts in the first half of this program and see where maybe you, you missed it. I know sometimes driving down the road, I get distracted and not listening to what is going on with the, the podcast or the audio book I'm listening to. So maybe you missed something somewhere. But at this stage of the game, I'm not saying complete all-knowing knowledge. I'm saying some of the lies that you have been telling yourself should be falling away. Should be falling away. And I love how the scripture says, have your minds ready for action. That means psyching yourself up. That means like working through all the nuts and bolts. This is the truth about us that I always talk about. Remember how I said in previous episodes, uh, 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 a well-adjusted you know, person knows two truths. They know the truth about themselves. You know, that comes through psychology, self-help, you know, that sort of thing. And then the truth about God and how he views us. Understanding the true identity of God as the Bible lays it out, not as some backwoods Bible thumping preacher, you know, beat into your head when you were a kid. Discover it on your own. Get your minds ready for action. Keep alert and set your hope completely on the blessings which will be given to you when Christ is revealed. He's not talking about the second coming of Christ here. He's talking about your understanding of Jesus Christ being revealed to you. We have not because we ask not. Are you asking Jesus to take these defects away from you? Are you asking Jesus to open your eyes to his understanding each and every day to reveal himself to you? Because remember, we were just talking about how much of a gentleman he is. He will not go somewhere where he's not invited. I still pray that stuff to this day. I still pray, Lord, reveal it to me as if I'm a five-year-old because, dude, I miss it. And I'm just real with God that way. I just totally am. Like, I ain't even trying to churchify anything. You know, I'm just like, look, dude, I'm not getting it, okay? So either send somebody in my life to explain this to me or send a book in my life or just open my eyes to your understanding. Enlighten me to your will. You know, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You want more faith in your in your life? Read more Bible. I would highly recommend starting in the New Testament. Read the Gospel of John, then read the book of Romans. You get those two under your belt, boy, you're well on your way to getting a decent grasp of, of what the Gospel is all about. Our next letter of the acrostic is D. Do replace your character defects. You spent a lot of time with your old hang-ups, compulsions, obsessions, and habits. When God removes one, you need to replace it with something positive, such as recovery meetings, church, service, and volunteering. Uh, if you don't, you open yourself uh, for neg- negative character defects to return. And then this is a very powerful scripture um, from Matthew 12 that we have actually mentioned in a couple previous episodes because it kind of pops up in different places here in this program, and it's very important that you get this. And this this is why it's so important to replace old habits with new healthy habits. When an evil this is uh, Matthew twelve forty three through forty five. When an evil spirit goes out of a person, it travels over dry country looking for a place to rest. If it can't find one, it says to itself, I will go back to my house. So it goes back and finds the house empty. Then it goes out and brings along seven other spirits, even worse than itself, and they come and they live there. You and me, we are the house in that, in that analogy. When we get over a character defect, we are getting victory over some sort of spiritual um, bondage that was attached to us. And many times we attach, attach it to ourselves through our blind rebellion and dysfunction. I know I did, for sure. Absolutely. Um, we open ourselves to things that just allow junk to get attached to us along the way. Well, when you get deliverance from that, through understanding the truth about you and understanding the truth about God, then that spirit leaves and, you know, is going to go look for someone else to inhabit or to find rest in some dry place. When it can't find that, 
it says to itself, so they're going to come back to you and see if there's room for you, for them back in your life. Let me put it that way. So every time you take one of these character defects out of your life, a lot of times these defects are coping mechanisms and how we have, since we were little kids, used whatever it is. For some, it's anger. For others, it's codependency and, and, and just unending service to someone else. They find fulfillment and, and comfort in that. For others, it's chemical addiction, drinking, drugs. For some, it's sex. You know, I've seen gambling be, be that thing. You know, they, they were throwing dice with the, the other teenage boys in the back alley growing up and can tell you a hundred stories about hustling money in pool halls. And I've met those guys. I've seen those guys. Never play pool with those guys. <laughs> they really are that good. <laughs> but, you know, when you take those coping mechanisms out of your life, you have to replace that with healthy coping mechanisms. You know, connection is in community is number one on that list. You need to stay connected. You need to stay in community. The other thing is exercise is huge. Take care of you, your diet and exercise, gigantic. Uh, there's been Harvard studies that's proven exercise to have the same results on depression as chemical antidepressant drugs. God kind of made that a byproduct of manual labor. Exercise makes us feel good. It makes our bodies feel good. Yeah, there's pain involved, but there's pain involved in all kinds of growth in life, not just physical. You know, diet is another thing. You know, some people turn to food. I'm one of those guys. I eat my emotions. I'm constantly struggling with my weight. I hate it. It is like the number one thing on my radar right now that I'm trying to get control of at this part of my life. I'll be 50 this year, and if I don't get some of this weight off and, you know, get things straightened out, I'm feeling like, you know, I'm staring right at a heart attack at like my mid-50s or early 60s or something, you know? Like, I'm just, I, I got to be, you know, smart enough to see the writing on the wall here in my life and do something about it. Again, wisdom without application is no good. I know what I need to do. I need to do it. I need to control my diet. I need to exercise more. I need to, you know, change what I eat. I need to change the amount of stuff I eat. I need to change when I eat it. All that stuff is is taking care of you. And are you scheduling time for yourself? I was reading in a, in a leader's blog or something today about how uh, one thing leaders need to do is schedule appointments with themselves to have quiet time, not just with God, because you need that too, but to have quiet time for you. So you can just have some peace and quiet and can just set and rest and meditate and just recenter yourself. Maybe you need to just check out for a couple hours, you know, every evening or every, you know, every day, you know, at some point during your day, maybe you need to go, you know, look at brainless TikTok videos of dogs doing goofy stuff. You know, that entertains me sometimes. I love stupid pet tricks. You know, that, that kind of stuff just sometimes allows me to just unplug. You know, we got to replace these old habits and these character defects with positive things. Because what does it say at the end of that scripture? When the spirit comes back and realizes that the house is empty, that you haven't refilled that house with positive, healthy things in your life, then it goes out and brings along seven other spirits, even worse than itself, and then they all come to live with you. So yeah, that's that's all warm and fuzzy Bible stuff there, ain't it? Our last letter to this is Y, yield to the growth. Your old self-doubts and low self-esteem may tell you that you are not worthy of the growth and progress that you are making in the program. Yield to the growth. It is the Holy Spirit's work within you. 1 John 3, 9 says, The person who has been born into God's family does not make a practice of sinning because now God's life is in him. So he can't keep on sinning for his new life has been born into him and controls him. He has been born again. So this is the other side of what I'm always talking about when you hear me talking about grace and God's commands uh, working parallel in our lives. One is just as important as the other. What that scripture is saying is the byproduct of Christ living in you is that you don't willfully go out here and do wrong. Yes, we all sin. 
in that same chapter, it says, if a man uh, says he's without sin, he's a liar, and there's no truth found in him, that all have fallen short of, of the glory of God. So it's not contradicting itself. It's both. We are to make an effort. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. It's in Galatians 5. We need to be practicing some self-discipline, and we need to be making an effort to be good people, to be people who look like Jesus, to be people who went about the land doing good. That's who we need to be, and that's what that Scripture is saying. Are you entirely ready, willing to voluntarily submit to any and all changes God wants to make in your life? If you are, read the Principle 5A verse on page 32 and pray the following prayer. So Principle uh, 5A verse on 32. Let me go to that. Okay, yeah, these are the verses from this lesson. Uh, Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up, James uh, 4.10. Uh, then James one twenty one. so get rid of all the wrong in your life, both inside and outside, and humbly be glad for the wonderful message we have received, for it is able to save our souls as it takes a hold of our hearts. Again, it's a process. Uh, Lamentations 3.20-22, through 22, for I can never forget these awful years. Always my soul will live in utter shame, yet there is one ray of hope. His compassion never ends. It is only the Lord's mercies that have kept us from complete destruction. Man, that is that's like blowing my mind. I'm gonna read it again. Uh, for all I can, for all I can never forget these awful years. Always, my soul will live in utter shame. Man, I, I can totally relate to that in my life. Yet, let's not forget the rest of the scripture. Yet, there is one ray of hope. Man, that's God's grace and mercy through Christ Jesus. His compassion never ends. I love that. Man, isn't that good news, guys? His compassion for us never ends. Even when you're staring in the face of your failure, even when you're laying in a pool of shame and guilt from the junk you just participated in, his compassion never ends. It is It is only the Lord's mercies that have kept us from complete destruction. Boy, isn't that the truth. I could preach a whole nother podcast just on that scripture right there. Uh, Then finally, Psalms 51, 1 and 2. O loving and kind God, have mercy, have pity upon me, and take away the awful stain of my transgression. O wash me, cleanse me from this guilt. Keep me, let me be pure again. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was David that wrote that. I think that was in response to some of his nastiness with uh, Bathsheba and murdering her, his husband or her husband and uh, just a whole complete mess that was going on with that. But that's why God was or God said that David was a man after his own heart because he didn't try to hide it. Once he was called out on it, he, he owned it. You know, and he was like, you're right. You're totally right. And then he wrote a whole bunch of, you know, psalms, you know, talking about you know, his guilt and his shame and his true true heart of repentance. So here is our closing prayer for the lesson. Dear God, thank you for taking me this far in my recovery journey. Now I pray for you to help in making me be entirely ready to change all my shortcomings. Give me the strength to deal with all my character defects and I that I have turned over to you. Allow me to accept all the changes that you want to make in me. Help me be the person that you want me to be. In your son's name I pray, amen. Yeah, super crazy cool stuff, guys. Super crazy cool stuff. I'm looking through the leader's guide here to see if I missed anything. Uh, I got something highlighted here. A man bumped into an old friend in a bar and he said, I thought you gave up drinking. Uh, What's the matter? No self-control? The friend replied, sure, I've got plenty of self-control. I'm just too strong-willed to use it. (laughs) Yeah, chew on that for a little bit. Yep, and this is setting us up for our next lesson, which will be victory. And that's going to be super cool. 
Um, the questions, we can just read through the questions real quick. Uh, I'm almost done here, guys. Uh, have you released control? If not, review principle three, consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. List the areas of your life that you have been able to turn over and surrender to Jesus. List the areas of your life that you are still holding on to, attempting to control them with your own power. That's a big one. Uh, next, what does the phrase easy does it mean to you? What area of your recovery are you attempting to rush or looking for a quick fix? Everyone wants a quick fix, guys. Okay? Everyone. I've never met anyone in recovery. Never once ever met one person in recovery that didn't want a quick fix. Myself included. We all want a quick fix, but that's just not the way it works. Uh, question three here. Explain the differences in seeing a need for change and be entirely ready to accept positive change in your recovery. Uh, next, it is very important that you allow God to replace your character defects with positive changes. What are some of the positive changes that you can make in your recovery, in your family, or even in your job? And then finally, sometimes it is difficult for us in recovery to see the positive changes that God is making in our lives. Have you been able to accept and enjoy your growth and how? Wow, that's, that's gigantic. I, I would massively encourage you to go through these questions and maybe jot down your answers in your notes app on your phone or on a scrap piece of paper or something. That last one, man, really. Yeah, sometimes it's difficult for us in recovery to see the positive changes God is making in our lives. Usually we only realize those positive changes when we when they're reflected from our friends around us. Like I can remember when my friends or even my kids started telling me that, wow, Dad, you're a different person now than you used to be. And I was like, really? You think so? And they were like, yeah, totally. Like, you, you're looking at life with completely different eyes now, you know, and it's a good thing, and we're all happy to see it. And I think if you talked to the people who knew me before I got into recovery and the people who know me now, I think they would all agree that that is the case. Um, but here, they're, 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 you know, calling you to task. Have you been able to accept? That's huge. Have you been able to accept and enjoy your growth? And if so, how? Yeah, you should be enjoying this uncomfortable process of growth. I know it's not easy. Trust me, it's not easy for me either. So we're all in the same boat here together. So let's just all pray for each other and help each other to keep trucking on. Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just... Man, I know I start my prayers out the same way, but it's just where my heart's at, Lord. I just, I love you so much, and I am so thankful that you put up with my crap, man, and that you just, you know, you're always patient with me. You're always compassionate, you know, even when I just blatantly do the wrong thing, man, and I come running to you like, Lord, I'm sorry. I know I shouldn't have did this, and you're always compassionate. You're always like, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay, I forgive you. But how can we avoid this next time? You know, and I, Lord, thank you for that process. Thank you for this program. Thank you for putting people in my life, Lord, to challenge me that way. Lord, help us all to enjoy the growth process. Help us, Lord, to fall in love with the uncomfortable process of recovery, the uncomfortable process of growth. Lord, I openly acknowledge that if you can't challenge me, you can't grow me. Help me to extinguish my pride when you are challenging me. That I can respond as David did and own my mistakes instead of standing there arguing and trying to justify them. Or blame them on someone else. Lord, I pray that prayer for every person that's listening to this podcast right now. Lord, I pray that you help them to be people who can own their mistakes and not blame them on someone else or have a thousand excuses why it wasn't their fault. Recreate in them, Lord, a heart of flesh. Destroy the heart of stone that they may have had in the past, Lord. Ignite compassion in their hearts for the people that's done them wrong. 
and open their eyes to your understanding of grace and mercy, Lord, and how much of that grace and mercy each and every one of us need in our lives every single day. Lord, I thank you that you're preparing today to bless us tomorrow. And Lord, help me to see that blessing as it manifests in a thousand different ways. Lord, thank you that some days it's financial. Some days it's emotional. Some days it's just a word of encouragement from a stranger that I bumped into at Walmart. Help me to recognize your voice even when it's coming from another person. Help me, Lord, to recognize a parallel thought that is coming from multiple sources, Lord, as being you trying to talk to me and trying to tell me that this is a direction I need to go in or this is what I need to do. And Lord, help me be someone who can weigh all that information against your word so that your word confirms those things, Lord. Give me a burning desire, Lord, to read your word each and every day and revelation knowledge of it when I get into it. Open my eyes, Lord. Let your truth jump off the pages and just absorb into my mind, Lord. Give us all wisdom, Lord, and understanding and intelligence to be able to see the attacks of the enemy, to be successful in all that we put our hand to, from raising our kids to working our job and being a good employee to helping the homeless guy down the street. Be part of every facet of our life, Lord. Help us to be ready to accept your voice when we hear it. Help us to be ready to face the uncomfortable character defects that we need to face in these coming lessons, Lord. And Lord, I thank you for each and every person that's listening to this podcast. I thank you for their support. I covet their prayers each and every day, Lord. And I pray that you bless them. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. And we all said, Amen. If you have found value in this podcast, please consider giving to this ministry. The Truth Labyrinth is only one aspect of Restoration Ministries. We raise money regularly for needy people right here in our own community. Just this past Christmas season, we raised over $1,000 for a woman struggling with spinal cancer and was able to bring hope to someone who had lost all hope. Uh, We've bought handicap vans for the disabled. We paid utility bills for single moms. And uh, we've paid for hundreds of casual meals for those who were in need of one-on-one counseling, but uncomfortable with an office environment. Listen, guys, sometimes it's much easier for someone to open up and ask for help over a meal than it is to walk into a counselor's office and lay on a couch. God has and is using Restoration Ministries in ways that break traditional church protocol. I personally believe we have to earn the right to speak into someone's life, and it takes time to build those bridges, many times unraveling years of church hurt and dysfunction. This is what Christian ministries should look like in today's world. God should be glorified through our efforts to help the world around us, but it takes resources to do these things. For years, I've paid for a lot of these things out of my own pocket without hesitation. Or I've organized a benefit concert or some kind of fundraising campaign to provide these services for the people that God puts in my pathway. I will continue to give to these causes with everything that I have, but I need your support. It takes money and time to produce this podcast. Many hours go into praying over and organizing these messages. Not to mention actually recording the messages and all the post-production editing and stuff that needs to happen with that. This ministry isn't about building an empire. It's about connecting hungry hearts with the fruit of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have no aspirations of becoming some wealthy preacher or tycoon ministry leader. I am content with the world that I live in, and my little world is pretty peaceful and satisfying. I definitely don't need the drama that comes along with big ministry and tycoon leadership egos. I'm just trying to make my tiny little piece of the world better. 
I need your support. So please pray about supporting this ministry financially. I will post links in the notes of this podcast so that you can send your gift online. Next, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review so others can see what's going on here, especially your five-star reviews. Uh, The more you review us, the higher we rank in search listings, and this allows people to discover us easier. Finally, please pray for this ministry. Pray God will provide for our needs here at the Truth Labyrinth. Pray that God will bring this podcast across the screens of those that need to hear these messages. The Bible tells us that God's ear is upon the lips of the righteous. Guys, He hears our prayers. And we need His constant guidance for each and every podcast and everything that Restoration Ministries does. So pray that He uses this podcast to turn hearts of stone into hearts of flesh and that his truth will turn those hearts toward his eternal mercy and grace. Hey, thanks for listening to this podcast. My prayer is that it blessed you and brought you a fresh understanding of our lives in this world and our need for unity in Christ. A brush fire of revival in Jesus Christ is our only hope for satisfaction and true joy as we walk out the human experience that is our day-to-day lives. It's been my sincere honor to be your host today at the Truth Labyrinth Podcast. Be blessed and be a blessing to those around you. Till next time, I leave you with a scripture from Ephesians 6, 23 and 24. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ.